you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes at your favorite theme parks? Well, you're about to find out. So pull the harness all the way over your shoulders till it reaches your lap. Keep arms and legs inside the train at all times. And hold on, because it's time for the Theme Park Legends Podcast with your host, Steve Honeycutt. What's up, Theme Park lovers? Uh, normally, I would say theme park goers, but it seems like no one is going to a theme park anytime soon. Unless you're listening to this far into the future, where I can only assume that all of the parks are fully operational and everyone's doing fine. This is Theme Park Legends, the show that takes you behind the magic of your favorite theme parks by interviewing the men and women who work there. I'm your host, Steve Honeycutt. On this episode, we have a chat with champion Fire Knife dancer and Disney World cast member Rex Tiumalu. Rex tells us how a passion for Fire Knife dancing took him all the way from his home on the Isle of Samoa all the way to Walt Disney World in Orlando, dancing in the much-loved Lion King musical. We also talk about what it's like being a theme park worker when your park shuts down because of a global pandemic. Ooh, fun stuff. You may need to adjust your thermostat because this episode is on fire. So let's go to my interview with champion fire knife dancer Rex Tiumalu. Ladies and gentlemen, with me today is theme park legend Rex Tiumalu. Rex, how's it going today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm... <laughs> I am glad that you are here. Let me start off by saying that you probably have the coolest name of any of the guests I've had so far. <laughs> uh, thank you. So, hey, it, it's a Polynesian name, you know. What is it that you do and where do you work? So I'm a fire knife dancer, performer for the Festival of the Lion King show and Walt Disney World. So that's my uh, my job is, uh, is that I get to spin fire and, and to share my Samoan culture. Uh, in that show, which is a crazy thing because he would never think he would see a fire knife dancer in the Festival of the Lion King because when people think of fire dancing, they're, they're thinking about the Hawaiian luau. But what Lion King does is shows it in a different light, and I'm glad to be a part of that show that's had a lot of people in it that carry on that legacy. So that's that's my uh, my role at Disney. That's awesome. Yeah, and conversely, when people think of the Lion King, they think of uh, Africa. And um, yeah, so how did they uh, like spin it <laughs> to where it works? So the original story of how fire dancing became in that show is that in 1998, when it first opened, uh, the Lion King and the Animal Kingdom opened in the same year. Uh, six months of the show, there was no fire dancing. It was during the be prepared part. It was just Moto the Firebird and Kiyume. Kiyume is one of the uh, lead singers, he dresses up his scar at the during that part. And an entertainment director saw the show and saw the pre-prepared part and said, hey, we need something in here. Now you have the tumble monkeys with their specialty act, and then you have the, the aerialist birds, the ballet birds. But there was no specialty act in the middle. So someone in the uh, the management and liking said, hey, well, at the luau, they have fire dancers. So they went down to the luau and recruited four fire knife dancers and then they shaped it all themselves and the four fire dancers that they recruited they're all my uncles oh nice and yeah so it was just i think it was crazy for them too because they're like well oh we're so used to dancing to live drumming and to dance to a track and to right. have all that and i think it, it put it into a more theatrical sense of of the dance because it's usually just a warrior dance with you know making 
you know, not supposed to be really in a story. It's pretty much you, but sure. Like to be with talent and to you know be in the whole narrative of a show was such a new thing for Polynesian art form in general, especially for fire dancing. So that's how it became. So, so how does one, uh, one being you, get uh, <laughs> mixed up in fire knife dancing? Okay, so that's cra- that's another crazy story within itself. So my my parents. Mm-hmm. They were the first Polynesian performers at Walt Disney World in 1971, you know? Oh, wow. So, Yeah, so my parents, uh, my mom was dancing in Hawaii, uh, and my dad as well. My dad and my mom were dancing in Hawaii. And that's obviously where where they're from, right? Yep. So my parents are of Samoan descent. So my dad is from American Samoa uh, territory of the United States, and my mom is from Western Samoa, uh, which used to be a British colony and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they went to school in uh, Brigham Young University of Hawaii and they were dancing and make their money in school. They were trying to find ways to make more money going in school. So they went down to Waikiki and anybody who's been to Hawaii, Waikiki is like Luau Central. All of the biggest shows, biggest luau's are on Waikiki. Mm-hmm. And they went to go audition. All of a sudden they see this posting that uh, Disney World is opening up the Polynesian Village Resort and they're looking for luau dancers. And they're like, what, Florida? <laughs> and then... That's how they ended up here, and, and and they passed it down to me, and my brother, and uh, my my parents passed on the uh, entertainment aspect. My dad was the fire dancer in the family, so my dad pretty much taught me and my brother everything that we know, especially along with my uncles as well. My uncles were one of the very first fire dancers at Disney World as well. So it's wow. kind of like this multi generational legacy of fire performers and hula dancers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's because of the theme parks, it's because of Disney that a lot of Polynesians came here to the East Coast because we're, it's so far away from home. All right. So you're starting out uh, and they're they're teaching you this dance like when you were uh, when you were a young lad learning it. Did you ever think yeah. that it would uh, be your profession <laughs> when you uh, grew up? I, I think I've always known that. That's what I've always wanted to do with my life, you know. I, I love the way it affected people. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine growing up in the in the back of the luau stage, you know, and watching your your parents and their best friends dancing with each other every night and making people happy and showing this culture that I didn't really know was really unique until I got older. You know, I sure. thought it was a really normal thing that people were playing with fire and hanging out with each other. But when I got older, especially living in Florida, I had to kind of like find my identity because it's not like a big community of us. So, right. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad is a theme park guy as well. I mean, and I just thought it was normal that we got to go to the park for free (laughs) that he worked at like every day. So, so I know what you're saying. Um, did you, were you able to go to Disney world whenever you wanted to, when you were younger? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was kind of a thing where every weekend, because that used to be, you know, the last days of the shows was on Saturdays. So every Saturdays before they, they went into work, we'd uh, all choose one ride to go on at Magic Kingdom because the Magic Kingdom is only a monorail ride mm. to the Polynesian. So since I was like 7 to 14 when they when they retired in the show, that's what we did, you know. That's what we uh, did every weekend. So that's, I have such a big connection to that place even before I started working there. And I knew, like, that's where I wanted my life to go. And so the theme parks, even to this to this day, I think that's why it's so hard now, right now, is that the theme parks are really my escapism. I know that's really cliche to say, and everybody says that, but, like, 
the theme parks is where I kept my family together, and especially Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom is my parents and my brother and my sister's favorite park, but to me, I'll always love old school Disney's MGM Studios. Like, <laughs> that was the place I wish we would have went all the time instead of <laughs> Magic. Yeah. I have the same affinity for the park uh, that my dad used to manage, which is called like uh, Bush Gardens, which is up in uh, Virginia. Oh, man. Oh, Virginia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever, or I mean, and I've been to the, he, he worked at the one in Tampa too, which is how we ended up in Florida. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I love uh, both those parks just because that's where I went when I was younger, uh, for sure. You've learned your craft. It's been passed down to you by your family, which is uh, super cool. What was the process of getting you into performing at Walt Disney World? Well, before I danced at Walt Disney World, mm -hmm. uh, during high school, I danced for SeaWorld. Okay. Uh, I danced for SeaWorld because SeaWorld used to have a luau, and my parents danced there as well. But, you know, you had to wait till you were 18. And I was going through the world champion fire knife system. So uh, as a teenager and as a younger younger little boy mm -hmm. I was competing and I was winning world championships and stuff and the director of Walt Disney World Entertainment always went up to me and my brother and said Man, I really want you guys but you guys aren't old enough yet mm. oh okay. so when I turned <laughs> yeah. so when I was 18 years old and I and I won at 18 um, Darla in the world championships are held in Hawaii mm -hmm. at the Polynesian Culture Center so we would fly down to Hawaii and then when I finally turned 18, and I, I promised myself if I won, try my best to actually be in Walt Disney World. And then when I got off stage, Darla was there and said, hey, you're of age now. We really want you to, to dance for the spirit of Aloha. So Festival of the Lion King came way later in my life. Sure. But my brother was already there. Um, he's another fine life champion. He was already there at Disney before me because he's older. So I was like, oh, man, I... Uh, one day, I just want to be in that in that show and carry on my parents' legacy. So when I won, two months later, I was in rehearsals, you know, and I was like, I can't believe this. I, it's just like the dream come true cliche that you hear. Right. But, and when you're going through rehearsals, it's it's hard, tough rehearsals because you think you know the show, and then and then when you go in there, it's like it's so different when you're in the process and 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 you know, it's it's a job. Mm -hmm. But it's a fun job. So technically, uh, SeaWorld was your first theme park where you ever worked. Yeah, SeaWorld was my very first place that I ever worked. And it was only like five minutes away from my house. And the show over there, the Poly it's no longer there. The Polynesian show over there is no longer there. But that one oh. has a really huge history as well. Because that show started two years after Walt Disney World, mm -hmm. uh, 1973. And it's changed hands a lot. And my parents were there. It was like the time where the dancers at Disney and SeaWorld can bounce back and forth again. I mean, with each other when they were off, they were dancing both places because they were all friends. They were all, you know, they all came together mm -hmm. to share this culture. So they had to, you know, really self-promote it and dance wherever. A lot of people assume that, you know, the theme park workers from the different parks are like at each other's throat or something, oh. but it's really not that way. I mean, it's totally not true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I knew people who worked for both universal and Disney, like back in the day mm -hmm. when I was working there. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I know, uh, the SeaWorld, um, show. I remember seeing that when I was a very, uh, very young man, like working at SeaWorld did, I mean, did you enjoy it or were you just like, oh man, let me get through this so I can get to, to Disney. My, I mean, was it just a stepping stone? What did you think about it? Like dancing at SeaWorld, I did. I think it's one of those things that I wish I would have appreciated more when I, when I was there. Cause I was younger. So I was in school. So it was my, it was my school job. 
mm-hmm. as a fire dancer, as is my school job. And it's just like Disney, no matter where I dance at, it's like dancing with your best friends every night. And I think SeaWorld molded me as a Polynesian performer, Taylor refined my skills, not just as a fire dancer, but as an entertainer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I've always had Disney in the back of my mind. It was always, I didn't think of SeaWorld as a stepping stone. I wanted to be like, just like what my parents did, right. dance at both places at the same time, you know? But, you know, not a lot of people were doing that in, in this era of, of, you know, because all of us were young kids. We were just focused on school. But for me, I I didn't, you know, most Polynesians, they're either wanting to be a football player or a professional wrestler. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, is, that just, the, is that the stereotype? I mean, I didn't yeah. want to assume. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's either you want to be The Rock or you want to be Troy Polamalu or something or Jason Momoa. But for me, I... I wanted to be, I know people never heard of these people before, but the famous fire dancers, mm-hmm. like I've done TV, TV shows, fire dancing TV shows, like in uh, wrestling and all that. Mm-hmm. And I don't get starstruck by them, but I get starstruck by world champion fire dancers before I was ever in the game. Nice. So like I'd break out with people in my culture that were pushing this art form. How long did you work at SeaWorld? I was at SeaWorld from eighth grade all the way to my senior year. Okay, so about four years. Did you get to, you know, enjoy the shows that were going on there at the time? I mean, aside from your own, of course. Oh, yeah. Like when Shamu. Yeah. Uh, the Shamu show was my favorite. And then also growing up, uh, I don't know if you ever remember this, the Nautilus show, uh, Flight of the Condor, Cirque de la Mer. What, oh, um, what year was that? That was 2001, 2002. That was before I danced there, but like, and that's one SeaWorld show that I, I wish, because the Nautilus Theater at SeaWorld now is pretty dormant. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really there. But Cirque de la Mer, and before Cirque de la Mer, it used to be the Chinese Connection. That's, that's how old I am. Oh. Uh, I'm not really that old. Hey, oh, well, I'm, I mean, I remember SeaWorld when they uh, had the, uh, oh, man, what was it called? It was like a uh, motion simulator where they... Uh, we're um, in the Bermuda Triangle. Did you ever go on that ride? Oh, not the Bermuda. I've been to the Arctic. I think the Arctic. Well, oh, that was Arctic later. Australia. That was much later. That was later? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was, uh, I don't know. It was okay. It was an okay ride. I only went on it like uh, once. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like SeaWorld, even though it gets a, a bad rap these days because, I don't yeah. know, someone made that agenda-ridden documentary. But we know better because we've been behind the scenes and see how they treat the yeah. animals and stuff. Yeah. Man, that's that's very true because walking to the luau show when we would walk to work, mm-hmm. we have to pass those guys, you know. And mm-hmm. I see them taking great care. So when this, and no, when SeaWorld the luau ended because I was there the last show, mm-hmm. it was around the same time Blackfish and all of those things started happening. Oh. So we were wondering if we were if we were the byproduct of that. But for and I think that was a very crazy transition period because Disney came out of the blue. Disney came at the right time for me because I remember one time we were doing the SeaWorld show. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're having fun, your adrenaline's up, the show is done. We walk into the we walk into the dressing room and then there's four people in there waiting for us. You know, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh man, they look executive, they have suits on and stuff and they're like, Hey everybody come to the green room and we're sitting there and we're like, Oh, what's going on? You know, and uh, they're like, Hey we just want you guys to know that, uh, you know, the show has been has a re- had a really great run, but we really want to end the show in September. Mm-hmm. And they they told us in May, and that was the time I was getting ready to be in the World Championships, mm-hmm. not knowing if I was going to win or not, you know. And so everybody, we were just thinking about the next step, 
you know, we I, and that because for me, you know, my parents are were retired from Disney already, right. and you know, my brother was already there. And for me, what was my logical step? What was my next step? So sure, I think during that time, we danced our best until our last shows, and thank goodness that I won the competition when I did, and and Disney came up to me when I did, or I wouldn't. For me, if Disney didn't come up to me, I would have moved back to Hawaii and still pursued my dream of being a fire knife dancer no matter what. And, but I was really glad Disney did come up to me because uh, that's always been my dream and I get to live that dream every day. That's awesome. And that was going to be my uh, my next question about transitioning from SeaWorld to Disney. I mean, obviously the show ended. You didn't even have to audition. Like someone from Disney just called you up and was like, hey, we we want you. And then that was that. Yeah, oh, well, it, it's, it's, it was a little bit more than that. So Darla, Darla Hayward, I want to thank Darla Hayward. She is the, well, she used to be the uh, casting director for Disney World, and she's always went up to me and my brother. And like I said before, she's like, hey, I really love you guys. You know, they they wanted me, but they said, hey, we, you know, we want to make an audition for the, all the Fire Night dancers, but we want to see you. Because it's been a while, you know, since they see me at World, and they asked sure. me, you know. And so I was like, okay. And I went over there and I, it was the first time I ever got to dance because the audition was held on the Luau stage. Mm-hmm. Like I remember before I went on because there was a lot of fire dancers there and a lot of people who knew how I was. So it was, that's kind of, that's kind of pressure too. When the people you're quote unquote auditioning against to like know who you are. And then they just like, you know what I mean? Because of all of the, the legacy that we built. Sure, sure. And I run on stage, and whenever my feet hit the the luau stage, I I, I cry. <laughs> and like crying in audition, especially as a fire dancer, like that's kind of weird. But it's just like all of those things hit you. Sure. I get to pass this down, and and I danced. And next, the week later, they called me in to do rehearsals for the luau, and I got to do it with the best of the best uh, during that uh, rehearsal process at Disney. What I love about Disney, especially what they do with the Ruas, that they hire the best of the best of the Polynesian genres. Mm-hmm. And I got to learn from them, and and it was a it was a very easy transition, but it was a very weird transition because I realized that like because SeaWorld, the show was owned by a family, mm-hmm. like it was subcontracted with a family, but Disney, this is you know this is the the business, this is the the corporate side of the Luau business that doesn't exist outside of Disney. It was like a learning experience of learning show business instead of like working at a luau like you have your whimsical disney storytelling but you got to remember at the end of the day it's a business and we it's this polynesians that that go through the luau business ish is like we do it for fun we dance for fun and that's what SeaWorld was to me younger but mm-hmm. i had to realize like okay this is a corporation this company i'm now considered professional a professional artist in my craft instead of just being just like like i was a world champion but i i had to refine it to become an artist now and become a professional. And that's what I had to learn being at Disney. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the Disney Corporation, how many orientations did you have to go through? Or did you have to go through any? I was on the 2019 Traditions team. Oh, know? okay. All right. So we just got we just got done with our Traditions team. But I, I love Traditions. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that when I was going through Traditions, I wanted to do. And, and the thing is, I, I went through Traditions with my cousins because my cousins where uh, just need for the Luau, and they made it as well, and our Traditions Day was on the same day. And we were kind of getting weird looks, because as a Polynesian, you're allowed to have long hair, which we had back then, and we were allowed to have tattoos. We were allowed to have Polynesian tattoos. So we were walking in Traditions, 
with our tattoos and long hair, and people are looking at us, and they're looking at the Disney look guidelines, and they're like, hey, these guys are Disney look. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's entertainment for you. Yeah. But so it, the traditions, but then we had to go through it. This isn't no longer there, but welcome to entertainment. Welcome to entertainment was actually, other than traditions, which I asked to do, Welcome to Entertainment. I'm like, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. And I was so bummed out. Uh, welcome to Entertainment is just all the entertainment cast members, whether you're in costuming or a performer or anything that has to do with entertainment. You go through this four-hour four class and you watch uh, the Magic Kingdom Castle show and they tell you the ins and outs about you know entertainment and stuff. So, But I love the Disney orientation process because I'm such a big, big Disney fan. Like. Mm-hmm getting to know all of the, the facts and like how they do work there and like the common goal of creating happiness, which is like when we're working in our fields, we really don't know when we're out there. Like when things get rough, we just got to remember the common goal is that we create happiness around the world doing what we love to do and we're there for each other. Do you remember your first show? Like, you know, it's after rehearsal and everything, like first time performing uh, for everyone. Oh, yeah. I remember because my my parents and all my family came to my first night, mm-hmm. um, and I I remember because our approvals were the day before. So approvals is a is a you do the whole show like with just the director and just the you know just the director, the stage manager and stuff. So they have to approve you so you can be on to the next. I mean, be actually into the show. So the audition is just the first step, and then like the rehearsals is the second step. But the approvals is the time where, like, it's the, it's the yay or nay, you know? Oh, I've been there, brother. And, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yay or nay, man. You went through this whole thing, and you're like, oh, I hope it was worth it. At Universal, they'd always say, oh, everyone gets approved. But, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to be the one that's not going to get approved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be the first guy. Yeah. And because I'm the youngest at this point. I'm the youngest fire knife dancer at this point. I'm, I'm 18. I'm fresh out of high school, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like in like 25, 30. Right. And I'm like, um, and now I'm 26. I remember the first night I see my parents there. And, and my uncles and my aunts, like all of the people that you used to see, like I used to see dancing, mm-hmm. are now watching me. I will never forget it. It was in, a, it was right in September, the end of September, 2012. And, 2012, 2013, sir. Because it, it was a long process. Sure. I remember, you know, the, the, the Samoan part. I don't know. If, have you ever watched the Luau? Uh, I have not seen it. No, sorry. Oh, man. Yeah, the Luau is an awesome show. So, before they call the fire dancer out, I'm soaking my fire knife in the in the gas in the gasoline and and I'm just having these butterflies. My friend Tylen came up to me and said, "Hey, you know, uh, he, he's a dancer over there. He's one of my best friends. We came from SeaWorld together." Nice. And he said, "Hey, you know, don't worry about you know when you go out there, don't be nervous and don't worry about your your legacy." your family's legacy just worry about your own because today is the first day the first day of you starting your own legacy you know oh that's man that's good advice yeah it was really great advice and they're like okay we have a special treat for you tonight because i didn't know they were going to make the announcement that i was a world champion because at disney sometimes you know you know like we don't know if they're where if they're allowed to say any of these things you know right and then uh, the host the host of the Lua says hey we have a special treat tonight we have uh we have the world champion and, and uh, dancing the Siva Api, which is what the, what they call the fire dance, and uh, for you tonight. And I was like, wow, 
Like to hear that, to have my best friend with me, to see my family out there, and they're like, "Let's hear it for Chief, Chief Tiwalu." And I lit my fire knife and I ran up on stage and. The first thing I do when I jump on stage is I blow my mom a kiss because, like, my mom, you know, my mom has done so much for me. Like, my older siblings, you know, they, they've always been thinking, well, my mom was such a big inspiration to me. She Aww. taught me everything I knew. So that that night, that first night, I was just like, well, I, I get to dance for them instead of, you know, me growing up watching them. It was just, like, a, the the best experience of my life. And I think from then on... I always try to remember why I do what I do, mm-hmm. because not only just for my family, but just because of the culture of Polynesia and this art form of fire knife that I love so much. So the luau, like that night, my first night at the luau was such an amazing experience. And I remember coming off stage and hugging my parents and saying thank you, you know, like thank you for passing this down. And I got to do that for, I get to do this for the rest of my life, hopefully for the rest of my life, you know. Oh man, that sounds like an amazing moment. Yeah, crazy moment, man. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got past your uh, your first day, and now I assume you're doing fire knife dancing uh, on the reg. Like as yeah. you're moving forward, I don't know. As mm-hmm. a fire knife dancer, I, I don't know, or even like as a performer, like all right, so you do the same show virtually, you know, almost every day, or maybe five times a day, or whatever. Do you start to get bored and looking look towards maybe other avenues of performance that you could possibly do? Because, I mean, I know I did um, as a performer. <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> I think for me, I think we got to realize that at the end of the day, it's a passion. For sure. Not a lot of people get to do what you love to do for a living. You know, in Hawaii, they dance as their as their fun job. That's their fun job. And then they have three or four other jobs that help support the bills. Of course. But for what for what Disney made for us and, and SeaWorld and all that, it, it was our career. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes it does feel like a job. Sometimes our bodies are so beat up and I get burned oh. the first show and I have three other shows to go, but you don't really want to show it because you don't want to go home. You just, you know, like, I'd rather, to me, my mindset is like, no matter if I'm burned or hurt or sick, I, I love to come in. Okay, so when I was I was getting older, I realized that you know, being a stunt performer, as we were considered, you know, we were equity performers, mm-hmm. you know, and I realized that when people sing and dance, like their big dream is to be an equity performer, go on Broadway and things like that. But Polynesian performers, there wasn't any outlet like that except for Disney, you know. Right. And I realized when. You know, when people got older and stuff, they weren't, you know, either they weren't getting resigned or they wanted to move on. So I, for me, instead of like wanting to try and find something new to go do other than this, I was like, how can I stay in this and try and find other avenues to open up for other Polynesian performers that want to do what I do now? I started my own Polynesian group. What I wanted to do is just like teach little ones. I wanted to be a teacher, which I wasn't, you know, I, I was just in the game, in the trenches. I was still competing at this point, and I'm still, like, out there. But I wanted to be an, an ambassador of the culture mm-hmm. instead of just uh, instead of just being a dancer and just and living that. Like, I want other people to live their dreams. So I started my own uh, school, Polynesian school, and my own fire knife school. And I started to teach and, and to little ones. And even for those who weren't Polynesian to come learn, and hopefully one day, like, you know, teach them this knowledge and stuff so they can go to Disney and 
for me trying to actively pitch shows to, to places so people can have the opportunity to dance and refine their skills. Kind of like what SeaWorld did for me. Mm-hmm. And then and dance there. But for me, I was always looking at how can we push the culture forward, you know, because I know I was at, you know, you know, dancing at The Lion King, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by Broadway talent, you know, right. Broadway talent, Broadway caliber talent, and they're always looking for the next gig. They're like, okay, well, after this, what can I do? Like, they're performing, like, you have to be so on your toes that you have to, you have to actively go try and see where your next gig is, sure. where, what's the big next step for me. If, if I was never fine at dancing again, I still want to be involved in the Polynesian world, but I'm surprised Polynesian dancing and stuff is not on Broadway. It's not on, you know, it's not like a tour group like Shin Yun. Well, what Disney did, which was a crazy thing, Disney has another fire dancing show in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. Hong Kong Disneyland. So that was one place that I wanted to always go to, you know. But for me, I, I'm always drawn to Florida. I'm always, a, I'm a homebody right now, but I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking about instead of the next gig, how can I, because I, I still want to be, I still want to be a part of Disney. I still want to be an active cast member no matter where it takes me, you know, because I love this company so much. I love the parks. And I was like, if I move to Hawaii, I can't wake up and go to Epcot yeah. and use my, you know, self-admission pass to go to Epcot and go to, you know, all these places, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, you could, you know, just take a plane up to Anaheim and go to Disneyland. <laughs> it's just go, as good. <laughs> yeah. Or go to Aulani, you know, Aulani on the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, uh, you'd like to do a foreign contract at, at Hong Kong if you had the chance? Oh, man, if I had the chance, I would have, I would have, you know, I would love to. Have you tried pursuing that in any way? I, I tried when I was, I, I was younger, you know, but mm-hmm. they've, oh, they already had their set of, their set of guys. Over I there. see. They've been there for a long time because their, their system is different than ours. Ours, we're, we're renewed yearly mm-hmm. for them. It's, it's kind of like Cirque du Soleil fire defenses. When you're there, you're there. And you choose, you know, you choose when you when you want to leave. And yeah, I think that's what kind of drew me to it. Is because like, I I don't I never wanted somebody to say, hey, you know, like this is this is your time to go. For me, I I want to keep pursuing this on my own terms, and I I'm grateful for Disney to always keep me around, and you know what I mean. And and I guess they should see value in me and 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 for my family and what we want to do. And if there, if there was ever a day, you know, I. I'd be very grateful for the opportunity and mm-hmm. find ways within within Disney to keep sharing my culture. And that's why I was so grateful for traditions because traditions opened up a lot of other doors for me to spread the culture in, in, in the company, which is great. Basically, you went from doing the Fire Knife show to, uh, to Lion King. How did that work out? Lion King came out of nowhere. I didn't really, like I knew about the show when I was at the Luau, mm-hmm. but that, I wasn't really actively pursuing Lion King because... I wanted to be in my uncle and my parents' show. Sure. You know? And uh, months down the line, Tara Anderson, the show director of uh, of Lion King, came to watch me and my brother. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we're at the luau. And we're sitting on the, the couches in the green room. And my brother says, Oh, I got an email to go to Festival of the Lion King. I was like, man, congratulations, bro. Mm-hmm. And I sit down on the couch, and then I open up my email, and I was like, Yo, bro, I... I'm going to Lion King, <laughs> <laughs> and I think. And she said, "Hey, you know, we want to meet. I want to meet with you guys, but we've never been to Animal Kingdoms, like you know, 
uh, facilities before. Like we've been there, mm-hmm. but to go there, like knowing that we're about to be Friday night hyenas was a crazy thing. So it's like, hey, I, I'm gonna meet you guys at Animal Kingdom. Can you guys meet? And, and that's what we did. We met. We met in the park. We we signed ourselves in the park and we ate a pizza safari. Nice. Right? You're sitting with like this important person. You're in pizza safari, and we're like, <laughs> and she says like, hey, you know, um, I'm really impressed by you guys. You know, I love you guys' chemistry on stage with the audience and you know we think you would be a great fit for us you know and she said hey and guess what which is a great tie into the last story is that my friend Tyler and they gave me that great advice he's gonna he was gonna go through rehearsals with us as a fire dancer so we were all freaking out nice <laughs> and she's like hey rehearsals start here and I gotta say that the Lion King rehearsal process and all of that was the hardest mm-hmm. way harder than anything because we had to realize that we, as a Luau performer, it's, it's, it's all about you. But we got to realize, like, now, that's why the Lion King's such a big cast. Yeah. So we had to learn blocking. We had to learn, you know, theatrics. Mm-hmm. We, we had to be with people that weren't Polynesian. You know what I mean? Because we were so used to being with each other. Sure. And being with other Polynesians. So intermingling with other artists that really don't understand what we do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They see us as warriors that play with fire, but there's so much more depth and meaning sure. to what we do. And so we go from this, oh, aloha, happy luau, to this is prime time. This is a production, like the biggest production so far that I've, I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. And uh, that transition was so, so crazy. And, and, and the thing about Lion King is it's not a long routine. Anybody that's seen the Lion King show that's seen our, that's seen our part, mm-hmm. the Fire Knife is only a, a small part of what we do. You know what I mean? The Fire Knife routine itself is only a minute and 12 seconds. We're at the Luau, you're going for a full seven minutes of you just spinning fire. So you have to do that, and then you have to do a lot of more other things in the show, which we weren't used to. But... I got to say, it, it was the hardest but the most rewarding rehearsal. Speaking of uh, rewards, um, going mm-hmm. from the Luau show to Lion King, was there any additional compensation? Oh, like uh, like a raise or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a... Uh, <laughs> oh, Substantial. It was, <laughs> it was very great. <laughs> I, I, I realized, I was like, wow, I, now I know why people love this job (laughs) (laughs) like i because we've always heard when we were at the luau like you know lion king is where the money is but for me it was never about the money like because we of course like i've always just cycled inside gigs on my own and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. i was making money with disney and without and i remember getting my uh my first check from rehearsals of all things we're not even dancing in the show Mm -hmm. and i was like whoa like you know but the thing is, like, what we do is it, it's hard work. You know, I would never, you know, I would never put down what we do. Like, it's hard work. It's 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 tough to put your body through that. Sure. But what we do, comparison to what other people do for their jobs, you know, and they work their tail off to not even get most of well, half of what we get is right. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. You know, it was a very, it was a big, big jump. Not in just terms of the income but it's just like the responsibility now yeah it's not your like if you're at lion king that's the number one most i mean most rated number one show like in all of walt disney world entertainment so like you're always you're always not i wouldn't say has a target but you you're always looked at to be in that performance and what i love about it is like the more you perform good you know there's more incentives of that so 
it's it's a great thing. When you uh, when you try to go to a club in Orlando, do you just be like, "Hey, yo, do you know who I am?" And then they just let you in. <laughs> No, no, yeah, you know who I am. Man? I'm a fire and I find another. Like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so uh, obviously, you enjoyed doing this show. How long have you uh, done it up until now? Lion King. I started. I think I started six months after Luo. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I've been doing the show since I started rehearsals around 2012, mm-hmm. and I started the first show until a year later, which was a crazy thing. That's something I wanted to touch on too, because I. Like, I was asked and made it through in 2012. It took a whole year because there was, like, a... I don't know what happened during that year, but it was just, like, a big, huge transition period of the Luau cast. Like, it was all changing. Yeah. So we couldn't really start rehearsal because it was a big change. And there's a bigger change now because they changed the show. Oh, yeah, that's but, what I was going to ask. It was like, okay, since yeah. you're leaving the Luau and going to Lion King and your brother, uh, did they mm-hmm. have to get somebody to replace you in the Luau? The thing is, so we, we continued to sub over there. So we were still there mm-hmm. subbing. You know, we were subbing for other Fire Knife dancers. So there was there there. So the subs that were there, they became our role. And then we transitioned there. And then, like, but we were still there. It's a weird it's a weird process how busy this is. You know? mm-hmm. it's, like, if there's a fire, like, just like Broadway, there's always understudies. There's always subs. So, sure. Like, so the subs became in our spots. And then we went over there. So it's kind of like, you move up. It's like a, a level up situation. Sure. You know, 2012, like when our generation came, like the older generation before us was, they were transitioning out and we were coming in. So that was like, there's always that transitional period of, of keeping the show fresh. And sure. it's, it's sometimes it's a hard, it's a hard reality. It's a hard thing. It's very tough, you know, to realize like, that's when you, you might have to realize like, this is, you know, anybody, you know, that's in the entertainment life, like that you can, you know, they, the, it's up to the show, you know, everything's not on, in your control. So yep. you have to just actively always got to find ways to do what you love to do. And I, I think that's what I've always kept in my mind and tell the younger generation, like, hey, you know, love it now. Love it, mm-hmm. you know. But just know that, you know, I got to see the older generation transition out and we were coming in and I could see, like, they hurt them. But it hurts them, but, like, we all know coming into this type type of life that unless you unless you create an opportunity for yourself it's you know you can never just be married to one place and that's what i realized yeah yep man that's you're a smart man yeah sorry this is deep this is really deep (laughs) hey this is what the whole point of the podcast so maybe hopefully some young wannabe fire knife dancer will hear this and be like oh i need to you know start a side hustle or something yeah yeah, that's a crazy thing because uh, the 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 younger champion that was around my age when I started Disney mm-hmm. DM me on Instagram and said, "Hey, like how like how's it like working for Disney? Like I want to be there for the rest of my life." I said, "That's great." You know what I mean? You know, except the musicians. I'll say the musicians at the Lua have been there since the '70s. Yeah. So I guess if if you want to transition to being a musician playing the ukulele and, and drumming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, you know. But if you want to be a fire knife dancer, you know, it's a, it's a it's a very tough dance. My, not just getting burned or whatever, but like what we do with the the staff itself. It's you know, I was when I was twenty one, I was experiencing back pains and elbow injuries and sure. forearm injuries of just doing it eight shows eight shows a week, or probably more than eight shows, fifteen shows a week for us because we do three hour on the hour, fifteen shows a week, and then. 
we had our own shows. It's it's really it's really it was really hard. Like for for someone uh, like you, but let's say didn't start up a you know a school or side school or um, you know didn't get to transition to to Lion King. Uh, like what what is after being a fire knife dancer usually? What does that usually look like? Oh man, that that can be in many many answers because I'll say this: if it wasn't for Disney and SeaWorld and you know and Cirque creating these jobs for us, mm -hmm. because there was a time, you know, before that, that you know, all of my heroes, my Friday Night heroes, that didn't know. Not a lot of people know that Disney has shows. Not <laughs> it, like all of the, like not a lot of people know. Like Disney have a well, Disney has this, but mm -hmm. yeah, they do. You know. Yeah. So, like, when people were done in Hawaii, they were just either transitioning into musician or they were just trying to find a, another job. And remember, like, that's just, like, that's a big ego hit to a fire knife dancer because as a fire knife dancer, you're the star of the show. Sure. Like, you, you go through the whole luau, but then the fire dancer is the last thing, and you're a star. And then, so, like, when you're, when you feel like you can't do it anymore or the show lets you go, like, that's a big hit. Like, it's like that's all you know. And I think, for me, at a young age, to developing that side hustle, I think that word side hustle has really gotten like a negative connotation back when, uh, back in the earlier days. But now, mm -hmm. multiple streams of income and side hustles—that's that's pretty much the new job security. You know? <laughs> yeah, think, absolutely. Yeah. What was your uh, first time performing Lion King like? Oh man, my first time performing Lion—I I just remember how drained. <laughs> I was I I at Saturday it was a Saturday morning and the Friday night before then I went through approvals and it was a it was a five hour approval because they Oof. had to go through me they had to go through me they had to go through uh, my brother and they had to go through my friend Thailand mm -hmm. and we had to do it like we were working the shift so we had to do it like we were doing our two shows back to back oh and then uh, when Tara because that night Tara was like you know we're, I'm gonna I'm going to premiere one of these guys tomorrow. And I remember in my head, I was like, please let me be my brother. Please let me be my mm -hmm. brother. And they're like, oh, Rex, can you do tomorrow? I'm like, oh, man. I, like, I'm excited. Like, that's mm -hmm. my first show. But I'm like, like imagine like three weeks of of refining and working out and training and all that. I just remember my show was at 10 in the morning, and we got done at rehearsals at 1. So Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, approvals at 1 and... I remember being on that stage, and I remember how tired I was. But remember, uh, you know, every two to three hours, the cast changes. The cast sure. changes. And the, the cast that I was dancing with was not the cast that I rehearsed with. So it's I'm dancing the same show, but with different people. And so I remember that night. And, and the people that, that are doing the show, they never met me before. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> they see me walk in. I remember one of the... <laughs> I remember one of the singers was like, "Hey, what's up, bro? Are you lost? Are you okay?" I like, oh, oh no! I was like, "Oh no, 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 no! I'm the new hyena here. I'm here for my ten o'clock shift." And they're like, "Oh, you know." But these people are away. So I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go to my trailer. I'll be back." So I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, all right. Now I gotta like, we gotta win these people's respect with this show." Right. And so like, you know, I I'm putting on my my hyena outfit and and stuff because. The only time I ever put my hyena outfit on was like, you know, in the costuming and in my rehearsal process. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I finally get to put this on to do the show. And I, when I did the show, 
when I threw the fire knife up in the air, anybody that's been to the Lion King show, when the fire dancer throws the fire knife in the air, pyro goes off. Mm-hmm. So right when I felt the heat of the pyro and I started spinning, I, I realized, like, wow, I. that's when I finally, like, I, I knew I made it with Luau, but I, I, I knew it there. I was like, wow, I, I really did make it. Like, I, I really nice. did. <laughs> I really did, you know, live this dream of, of a full Fire Knife life-ish yet. But I just remember, like, hearing people scream, the new, like, the people that didn't know me, like, oh, whoa, whoa. So you won everyone over. Yeah, I came from the guy that looked like a total stranger to like people coming up to me, especially the cast. I'm like, oh man, oh man, like because it was another transition period because I was the first guy from that new generation that was jamming in and saying mm-hmm. oh, it's changed, you know. And that was I came in in the old theater. I came in when Cat Mini Mickey still had the Lion King show, mm. and then I got to be in the first. That's another story in itself, like the first time where the cast went to the new theater Mm -hmm. and that was another crazy experience six months after i came in i worked at the old theater for three months and they said hey to all of us we're ending the show but we're not ending the show completely we have to avatar is building so we have to move our show to africa Mm -hmm. so imagine three back uh, three uh three months of being back at the luau show like the show you just left just to come back just to leave again so that was uh well how did you feel I mean were you bored or was it like hey I'm home again it was like I was home again it was just like you know it went for months of not seeing them right like we see each other like outside of work but dancing with them you realize that you know you're dancing with your family again like that sure because at liking you're by yourself right the hyena you're by yourself and for me it was lonely because like me I'm not like you know I think it's no secret entertainers party and stuff like that but right I, I, I never did. I For me, I was so focused on the craft. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was lonely at times because I was just like, I, you know, I, all the fire dancers and stuff, they're all going to party and stuff. But for me, I was I was going in just because I love love the work. Right. Know? And it was, yeah, it was just about, it was about being with your family again. And, and I had more fun this time because I knew that it wasn't for long. Because like three months later, we had to come back to nice. the new theater mm-hmm. and start all over again. As you can see, the theme parks in Disney has been such a big part of my life. It's such a great part. It, it was. It's a hard life, mm-hmm. but it's also it's also amazing in some days. You know what I mean? Oh yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Um, so, any more uh, memories or stories of working at Lion King that you'd like to share? The last day of Lion King, mm-hmm. uh, like of the old theater. I didn't dance in any of the shows. You know, I was sick and I was like, oh, I'm missing out on the last day. But I stayed to see everybody. What Lion King did is make sure that everybody had a last show. Because usually at the Lion King, there's only two or three hyenas. But they made sure that everybody had a last show in that theater. Nice. I stayed from the hyenas first show to the transition show, like everybody's transitions. To the show, but everybody that stayed, I mean, everybody that danced stayed back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, instead of the, the that cast going home, we all stayed in and party with each other. We had a barbecue in the back. But the last three shows were were saved for the mentor that taught me, my brother, and Tylen. Because it was his last show. Like, he wasn't even gonna be in the in the new theater. You know, he decided for himself. Cause he he was dancing at the Luau 
in the 80s and the 90s and became he, he was like the the life I was trying to transition to from well the Lion King and then finding his own way wow and he made it clear that his name is Daniel Magawa mm -hmm. he is one of the greatest Friday Night Dancers that ever lived my mentor he's the reason why I I, I do some of the tricks that I do wow I asked him in the back I was like hey I know you haven't did this move in a long time but this is the move that like made him go to the finals of the championships in the world of like eight mm -hmm. and it's called the helicopter and he hasn't did it in years and I didn't think he was going to listen to me because I'm younger you know <laughs> but I was like hey Danny um, I just want to say thank you but I asked I want to ask you one thing I want you to do the helicopter for me and he's like you know I haven't did that in like 15 years I was like I, I know but like I think that would mean really a lot to me if you did that. I was like, yeah, kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go, I'm not going to, bet you I'm not going to see it. But. but it was the very last show or the very last day, and the theater was packed. All mm -hmm. of us came from the back, uh, like the backstage, sat in the theater and watched people come in, like the guests come in. And there was people with thank you Lion King shirts and Aww. and you know we love Lion King we don't want to say goodbye and it was just very emotional and me and my brother and my cousin uh, Tyler we were sitting next to each other and we were like we're about to see Danny's last show and we're got to, and we're gonna see because most of the cast that danced that day some of them weren't coming weren't transitioning because we all of us kind of knew that we were you know we were asked to come back mm -hmm. you know. And we do like some of our friends wouldn't do it, want to be in the next transition. And then uh, the the theater goes dark as it usually does for the when the show starts. And mm -hmm. when the music started and the show started, people started screaming to the point where we couldn't even hear the musicians. You know, we were just wow. like, "What's going on?" Ah! And screaming, and we we're like, "I just start." We all start to cry. <laughs> And, you know, the tumble monkeys do their thing. Everybody's going crazy. Mm -hmm. And after the tumble monkeys, everybody knows it's the fire knife part. And it's Danny, you know. And and all the fire dancers are there. Not just us, but all of the fire dancers that stayed back. We we all, you know, stood up in our seats and started cheering. And uh, Danny looks at us, and he, he starts spinning. You know, he starts spinning his routine, and he's doing great. All of a sudden, I see him look at me. And he does the helicopter. <laughs> and I'm like, oh! And that, that, that video is on YouTube. And yeah. that video is on YouTube. You can see him look at me and see him point to me and do the, the helicopter. And I was, and I, I cried so hard, but I was just like screaming. I was like, that's my master. That's my mentor. Oh, you that's, know, like, that's great. Yeah. So that's, and then from there, you know, like that last bow where everybody's crying, we all cried. And I went back in the back and I told Danny, I was like, hey, I promise that from now on when I come back, to the, I'm going to continue that move on. And then from every day since then, I, I've, I've done that move. I've done nice. that move for him. And That's great. I love the show. And as you can see, I'm very passionate about the theme parks and about the life that it gave me. You know? We just lived some awesome moments. Let's talk about what maybe wasn't such a great moment. And mm -hmm. that is all the parks shutting down. Um, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Uh, how are how did that go down for you guys? I think we, we all found out like everybody found out mm -hmm. on the Internet, on Facebook. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So 
you know, it was weird when we were coming off stage and we're like, hey, we're, we're shutting down, you know, for a little while. Yeah. It's, it's It sucks, you know what I mean? But it was hard because, like, you know, most of us, this is the only thing that we do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, as some people see it on the internet, yeah, we're, like, I'll be transparent. They're still getting us, you know, they're still giving us something. Well, that's but good. I was going to ask that. That's good. For me, I'd rather be actively there. Of course. But we thought it was just going to be two weeks. But we just found out probably not a couple of days ago that we may be closed more to mid-April. Yeah, I think uh, so, pretty much everyone is finding that out. Um, yeah. So, like, what are you doing to pass the time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. For me, you know, I want to... I want to go travel, but I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Yeah, the flights are kind of low. Thirty-five bucks to go from here to Cali, and I saw the the flights to go from here to Hawaii. If I wanted to visit my family, mm-hmm. only a hundred and twenty bucks. I was like, wow, that's great, but I don't want to get sick, you know. But but you've been really generous with your time. I've got a few more sort of fun questions here. Uh, I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. you're a, um, you're a Disney guy out of the Disney oh, parks. Yeah. Uh, or maybe all the theme parks in general. Um, which mm-hmm. which is your favorite park that you've ever been to as a guest? As a guest? Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. You know, I I always say I love old school MGM Studios. Mm-hmm. You know, I always love that. I always have a passion for that place. And, you know, and I love Epcot. Mm-hmm. But I think as a guest, like outside of Disney, I'll I'll do outside of Disney for this one. Okay. As much as I love Universal. I know there's very there's people are gonna be like boo, but I love Bush Gardens. Oh no, I I don't know why anyone would want to <laughs> boo Bush Gardens. They've got great roller coasters. I know, but people like I know I know people that are only know Disney and stuff. And I say, man, I love Hollow Street better than Hollow, Halloween Horror Nights. It is better. It is. It and, is better. See, and, I, and I knew the, I wasn't the only one. Yeah, I mean, look here's the here's the thing with Horror Nights. I mean, I've worked it and I love it. But it's not scary. It's just like, hey, yeah. look at all the cool popular stuff we have. Like, if you want to actually go to something scary, you got to go to like a, a Bush Gardens or out here. Uh, we have a Knott's uh, Berry Farm, which turns into mm-hmm. Knott's Scary Farm. And they were actually uh, the first ones to come up with uh, the whole scare thing. Or so I've been told. They were the first ones that came up with the whole Halloween event concept. And... Um, I went to their event like two years ago, and it was fantastic. Oh man! See, mm. I love Bush. I I think I love Bush Gardens because like I've never had a bad time there. I think every I, I think because we've grown up like for me being in Orlando, we we're pretty much desensitized a little bit, a sure. little bit for yeah. me. I, I love it. I love it, but you know, it's just when I'm with Bush Gardens, I don't know any. Or I don't know really anything about it because I right. don't live there. I'm not really immersed in it, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's just a new, it's just like a breath of fresh air to me. Yeah, that's how and, I feel about knots. <laughs> yeah, Hollow Scream, like I gotta say, Hollow Scream. Yeah, it's the best. I love Hollow Scream, and I have you ever uh, had the uh, pleasure or displeasure of being a scare actor? Oh. <laughs> I have a funny story. Oh, I'm glad I asked. Do tell. Uh, yeah, I'm laughing because. All right, so I used to. Have you ever heard of Dark Horizons or Mar- Queens Mary Harbor, whatever? Uh, the Queen Mary Harbor uh, out yeah, here in LA. Dark Har- it's called it's called Dark Harbor, but they had a 
Orlando division called Dark Horizons, you know? I, that sounds familiar. It does. Yeah. So they're, they're, that company, they try to branch off to Orlando. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's so many options. So it's like, it was like really not a lot of people that came and, and stuff like that. But I was hired to be a fire dancer there, you know, because they had fire performers. And they're like, hey, how do you feel about dressing up? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I dress up as a hyena every day. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm fine with it. Yeah. So, uh, I had to. I did my fire act, mm-hmm. but I was playing like a voodoo doctor. Mm-hmm. And so, but I thought fire dancing was it. They're like, oh, but uh, I wasn't trained at all to be a scare actor. I was just coming in for fire, and they loved like love what I did. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, but we want you to scare people while they're walking down the streets in the middle of your sets. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know anything about scaring people. So, like, if I couldn't scare them, I'd just talk to them. Like, oh, sorry, bro. I, but you're supposed to be in character, but I'm just, like, so, like, I have no motive, Like, I have no idea. So that whole season of Dark Horizons, I was just trying to, like, I'm with professional scare actors. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm in the streets trying to scare people. But I should be a scary-looking friend. I'm a big Polynesian guy. Mm-hmm. But I guess not. <laughs> So they didn't bother to train you, huh? That's they didn't weird. Bother to train me. Yeah, they're just like, oh, you know, you. I think they just looked at me and said, hey, you look like a scary guy. Like in between the fire act, can you just go there and scare people? Uh-huh. So I like try and hide behind trash cans, try to hide behind trees, and people, <laughs> like the most five-year-old, like, <laughs> boo, boo. Yeah. Oh, I didn't scare you. You saw me like from five out, five yards away. Sorry, man. I don't know where to hide. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they didn't train me. I'm I'm doing my Sorry. best. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. But I loved working. Like I loved working with them. You know, that mm-hmm. was. I think there's something about working with like circus artists. Cause I work a lot in the circus as well. Mm-hmm. Like the circus artists and the scare actors and the theme park like dancers and like art. Like we're a pretty we're pretty. Uh, I would say interesting couple of characters. Yeah, eclectic like bunch. Yeah. Yeah, the eclectic bunch. Yeah. I would say like they're the most like when we're with each other, like it's like like all that creative energy, but I see with I won't say normal people, those people are normal, but like but like in society it's just like they're the quiet ones. They're like, oh you and I I think that's that's all of us performers in a nutshell. It's like when we're on stage that's when we bring all of our personality out there sure. and all that but it's yeah just like you know finding ways yeah every little group of performers has their certain quirks i've found <laughs> over the years mm-hmm. uh for sure so uh what is your favorite ride of all time all right this is going to be so obscure and and people have people from probably from like 2002 onward has never read this but ooh interesting my my it's very obscure. My favorite ride of all time, and I, I think about it all the time, is Horizons and at Epcot. Oh wait, you mean that uh, that flying ride? Or yeah, it was just like it's. So anybody that's been to Horizons before, it's where Mission Space is now. Okay. And it was just like, it was just like you choose your own future and you mm-hmm. ride through it. It's like auto, audio animatronic ride of you living in a future of water and being on a desert planet and stuff like that. It sounds really boring when you think about it, but it's just like when I was on it, I was just so that's what made me want to know about Disney Imagineering and how to make things work. And I know that's a weird thing to say because people usually say things 
reflect that towards you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion. But Horizons, to me, and World of Motion, all those obscure Disney rides, are, I was like, how could, like, whose imagination created this stuff, you know? Yeah, I tend to lean more towards the obscure Disney stuff as well. Like, did you ever go to mm-hmm. Disney Quest when it was open? Yeah, I love Disney Quest. Yeah, that I thing was, there, was the though, best. Like two weeks before it left, yeah. Oh, man, yeah, I... It's so sad that that thing closed down, but they kind of let yeah. it just, I don't know, become just obsolete, there. basically. Yeah, just lay there, yeah. Yeah, because I just remember, I just remember Disney Quest is like, I was always excited to go, and I think that's what made D- Disney Springs or Downtown Disney when I was growing up, mm-hmm. like, what made it so unique is just, like, that's another thing I would love to talk about, too, because I feel like the whimsy of Disney is, is not there anymore. Like you say you go into the world of Disney store mm-hmm. and he used to go and there you see, used to see characters and all this whimsy. And now it just looks like an action. It's just like any old store. You right. know, I think, I think Disney quest was the time where Disney was taking risks, you know, interactive theme parks. And I know it's hard to take risks now because of the coronavirus and all that, but, but Disney, that thing's only new. They stopped taking yeah. risks like 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like I love the IPs and uh, all that, but what happened to the fresh new ideas? What happened oh, to tell me you know about the it. nine years it the nine years it took the Imagineers to create Pirates of the Caribbean? What happened yeah. to that? You know what I mean? I don't want to write a, a Marvel thing. I want something fresh. And yeah, I mean, if I want my if I want Marvel interaction, I go to Islands of Adventure. <laughs> Yeah, uh, where it's based real. off the comics and not the movies, but I don't know. I'm a purist that way. Uh, yeah. And to me, nothing will beat that Spider-Man ride they have. It's like, it's the best. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. This might be a controversial thing to say too, but I don't like the way Disney treats the Muppets, man. I love the Muppets. <laughs> me too. Like, I, What's going on with the Muppets Vision 3D? Like I, I remember watching, you know, a documentary back on YouTube where mm-hmm. Jim Henson, before he died, he was gonna make a spoof of the great movie ride using the Muppets. They should re- really resurrect that. You know what I yeah. mean? I love puppetry and all that. And like, as you can see, I'm not just a dancer, bro. I love this stuff. Like yeah. I, and like I, I have so much opinions. Like I love Disney Park and I love, you know, writing Star Wars and all that. I'm a big Star Wars fan. And are you Hashtag, a fan of Galaxy's cool. Edge? Uh, I am. I am. It's just like, as you can see it from my voice, like I am. It's cool, you know. But here, I'll say it for you. It's just too much new stuff. Yeah, too much new stuff. Like, there's nothing that I, other than the Millennium Falcon. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have any emotional attachment to Galaxy. I have an emotional attachment to the movies that it comes from. Mm -hmm. But it's just like I, it's hard for me. Like, you know, I'm all about scenery. I love Disney scenery. Sure. and all of that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think, I think a lot of people that come on, like, like come on podcasts and stuff, that they're talking about the place they work at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know a lot of people would say, "Oh, don't say anything negative." I, I think it's all about constructive criticism, and I think sure. everybody should listen to the people that you know that are working for them and their guests. Absolutely. You know I mean? And I see a lot of guests on YouTube and stuff saying, "What's with the like? We need original ideas." Or with Star Wars, like. Give us something. Give us something that we can latch onto. You know, Millennium yeah. Falcon's great. Rise of the Resistance is great, but it's creating a like a commotion, uh, commotion at Hollywood Studios because nobody can really go on it. You know, is it and because it's, it's too crowded, or not just because it's too crowded? It's just like the it's just and even the way it, there's no line to it, so mm-hmm. you have to you have to get um, 
sign up, what is it, like, right? Yeah, sign up and like you know, and then for me, you know, I I, I miss the days of where I know now this makes me realize that I miss long lines now, <laughs> <laughs> like waiting in long lines, you know, being creative at the time. But yeah. the thing is, like, I love Disney and stuff, but I just I wanted to get back to its original creative risks that it used to, you know. I, yeah. I love the NBA experience. I love that place. Mm-hmm. But when I go to the other side of the where the actual experience is, it's like a ghost town. Aww. Because you know what I mean. Like, you know, like I'm great at risks, and if risks don't work, you know whatever. But you know, I I want the creative ideas. I want something to come out like. I've never seen this before. You know, I've never heard of this. It's coming from Disney's has the best storytellers and 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 engineers in the world, and we need mm-hmm. to go back to those days. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One last thing about obscure Disney properties, like I love Tron and Tron Legacy. Oh yes, please. Um, yes. Even though I mean those movies aren't the best, but they create such an interesting world, and the soundtrack is great. Like for the second mm-hmm. one. I, I mean, th- did they build the light cycle ride yet? Because they were supposed to build a Tron ride in um, at one of the parks. Yeah. Did, did you yeah, ride it? Yeah, Magic Kingdom. Oh, at Magic Kingdom, it's still it's still being built. You know? Oh, okay. It's right behind Space Mountain. Uh, ah. So you, the building and the track, you can see it from, like, Space Mountain. <laughs> like, nice. And it's a crazy thing because, you know, when I'm teaching traditions and tradition, uh, traditions, you have to, you know, walk your your participants through the park mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i always say hey if you're still working for us in two years you know this this ride is going to be open you know and i think tron is i mean uh, from what i see i don't know is it in shanghai or hong kong I don't yeah know it's where it wrong. started in shanghai yeah i i see i see i see shanghai and i'm taking risks all the time like have you seen their pirates of the caribbean uh yeah it's um pretty crazy <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. What do you oh, what do you think of it? By the way, I know we're probably getting off topic. No, it's fine. Uh, I mean, I would love to. I don't have like an attachment to to a lot of like the old school Disney rides because we just mm-hmm. we didn't. I wasn't born in Florida or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Like I didn't move. To, we didn't move to Florida till I was like. I don't know, 16 or something. And by then I was like, oh man, Disney's kind of lame, dude. Um, (laughs) I mean, plus I'm more of a thrill ride guy anyway. I mean, I love a good theme or immersive experience, but I love going to a park because this is what I grew up on. I like going to a park where there's roller coasters that make me fear for my life. Um, And uh, (laughs) I mean, because that's what Bush Gardens, both of them, like are all about. yeah, when quality was wooden. Oh man, I <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I went on that before they before they tore it down. Um, but uh, but I mean, I'm I'm up for trying anything. I would love to try the new um, Pirates of the Caribbean, and a lot yeah. of people that come on this podcast talk about Disney Sea in Japan. Um, oh yeah, that's the best one. I I, I personally went there to because I went to Japan to teach fire knife to Japanese. Nice and. The thing about Tokyo Disney Sea and Tokyo Disneyland is for all you cast members that want to go over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, we can't use our <laughs> we can't use our main entrance fest. So we have to pay sixty dollars to get in. Yikes! But, okay. but yeah, but it's you know, T- Tokyo Disney Sea I think is the most creative, and it's Disney at its best. That's like, what everyone says. If, yeah, if anybody if anybody would have a blueprint to a perfect Disney park, that is it. And I'm just like. And when I walked out, I was like, 
I come from Orlando where we're like so-called the best mm-hmm. Disney World or like the biggest Disney property. But these guys are in a short, short, like a really small plot of land. And what they do with it to every detail and stuff, like that's what I miss about Orlando. Like that's mm-hmm. what I, like we have the razzle and the dazzle, but you know, they have the, the substance, you know what I mean? That's sure. a, that's my opinion on it, you know? Wow. Have you ever been there? No, but unfortunately, I've never been to any parks in Japan, but I hope to remedy that someday. Yeah, man. You gotta go. Anybody, I recommend Tokyo Disney. See, even Tokyo Disneyland as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that place is amazing. Yeah, I want to go. Um, I wanted to take my wife on, because they still have, at least at the time of recording this, I think they still have it. At the Universal in um, in Japan, they still have Terminator 2 3D. Um, oh man yeah which i love that i don't know ride slash experience and she's never been on it um but i'm pretty sure by the time i get there it's probably going to be replaced with something else you know they replaced it at a universal with the born something born experience yeah yeah has anybody ever been is this open that thing um i think i saw maybe i saw pictures of a rehearsal um, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's open yet. Um, yeah. But uh, oh, uh, one quick question I wanted to talk to you about before we uh, mm-hmm. wrap it up here is, um, you know, you you say you do uh, traditions. Like, how do you get? Mm-hmm. How did you get wrapped up in that? Oh man, I I think this is the out of everything that I've done for Disney. Disney traditions has been the probably the best thing I've done in my whole Disney career. You know, and and, and as funny as that sounds, because mm-hmm. I'm a fire dancer and I have right. a, like, I gotta say, I have one of the coolest jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. I think I, I signed up for Disney Traditions because I wanted, you know, I was in that phase where I was like, what else can I do for Disney? Like, sure. how can I get our family out there? Like, I was thinking about, you know, my all the Polynesian people that built this this company from the ground up, mm-hmm. like that were here and that made sacrifices. How are they gonna know their story, kind of thing? And, I went up to one of my leaders at at uh, leaders is how we say managers in the you know Disney talk right, mm-hmm. and uh, I went up to one of my leaders and she said that hey have you ever tried about you know tried going on the traditions team, and I was like they will never pick me like <laughs> I have a full I have a full I don't have long hair anymore but I have a full hawk I have tattoos like this is like pick like uppity uppity Disney people right and like <laughs> as much as I love Disney like. I don't know if I'm that spastic and stuff. Right. And she's like, hey, I was on the team two years ago. It's not about being, oh, love it, love it. It's about sharing your story. And I think I think you should do it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Because in order for you to be in the tradition of the team, you have to get your, your manager's approval. So I got it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember it, there's uh, there's three audi- four auditions for, um, for Disney traditions. Wow. Know? And then uh, the first audition is like you have to do a three-minute speech on why you love Disney, your passion of the park, and, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy because I was like, like I, I have a very unique story. I have a very – Yeah. Like, like everybody has a conviction. I'm not downplaying anybody's story, but I feel like – like, it's like deep, like Disney, and then the parks are so deeply, deeply rooted into my DNA mm-hmm. as a, as a person. And I, 
my three minute speech, I was talking about, you know, how I grew up with the Polynesian and how it shaped my life and sure. stuff like that. And, and, you know, but the audition is like you, you have to be in a room full of panelists, like from all over the company, like very important executive people. But you have to be in 50, like you were in like room of 50 people of your peers, but people I didn't know. So it's people all over the, the company in every like department. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm I'm thinking like these guys are very professional. They're dressed professional. Sure. Like me, I rarely the suits, I, like, quote I, unquote. I, it, yeah, I I had to buy stuff from JC Penney the night before because I didn't have anything. Yeah. You know, and and so I did that, and I made it to the next round, and I kept making it. And the you know the audition process gets more and more harder. You know. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one, and then the. You know, after the fourth interview and stuff, I made it all four rounds. But even though if you make it all four rounds, it doesn't really, you know, you really don't know. Sure. And so when I got the call that I made it, I I was just like, what? Like, everybody, and then when I went to meet the team, like the 2019 team, the Trap Gamers, you know, like, they were all, like, managers and Mm -hmm. leaders. and But then you had the custodial crew, and then you had the, so what I loved about traditions is like, and some of us that were in it, some of us really needed it because some of us in our Disney career, I know not me, but some people are like, like they were in such a standstill in there because Disney at the end of the day, as, as magical as it is, it's a job to all of us, you know? Yes, it is. And yeah. Like how can we, you know, refill this pixie dust jar that we call it. Right. And so when we have the new hires and we learn this long script, and stuff, and because of traditions, I had the confidence to go out and do motivational speaking, inspirational speaking mm-hmm. to kids and all that because of traditions. And I can't believe we're done. You know, we just got done with our year uh, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, it went by fast. You know, and <laughs> that whole class is such an inspirational class. Like, I, I couldn't wait to do that class every time because not only because it was such a short thing, but you got to inspire people every day. You got to not just inspire them with Disney, but get to know them. There was there was times where <clears throat> in that script of the tradition script, there was times where they said like these inspirationals you can't like follow it, but be you. And I right. think oh, that's great. was the best thing. Yeah. Was the best thing. And I and just because of that I wanna do things like that for the rest of my life is going out and inspiring people, not just dancing for them, but making people better. And I think and and one thing that that I'll share with you with the traditions is like what do you we tell our students at the end like if you see any of us in the crowd or like or in anywhere in the world or anywhere in the parks mm-hmm. we want you to tap your wrist like they get two fingers they're Disney point and you tap your wrist because that means that you really enjoyed your time with us and you know, uh. time is something that we don't time is something that we don't get back you know so sometimes when I'm doing the Lion King show. Because uh, we do Lion King and traditions at the same time, mm-hmm. like we like we do our roles, but we also do traditions at the same time. Sure. And so I'd be in the shows, and I'd see people all of a sudden like tap their wrists, like "Hey!" and like they recognize me, and I'm like, "Wow!" Like, and it's everywhere. Is and that I think that's that wrist tap thing? Is that something that you came up with yourself? No, actually, that's a that was a big tradition. Even when I first started, that's what they told me. Because well. I mean, I went through traditions at Disneyland in Anaheim, and they didn't tell me about that. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised because at the Disney World, at Disney World, that's what we we tell our participants is is that. And I remember being told that 
um, when I started in the company in 2012, you know, mm -hmm. I, my traditions class, they're like, hey, if you ever see any of us or, or any of your trad ohana, well, I call them trad ohana, mm -hmm. but trad brothers and sisters, like, wrist tap, you know, and I and I love that because that makes you realize that everything that you've done, everything that you work for outside of traditions and in it, like, people appreciate it. And I think that's something that we just got to realize is that, you know, Disney and the theme parks, yeah, it's a corporate company, but deep mm -hmm. down inside what Walt wanted for us is to inspire people and to make people make something from nothing, you know? Sure. And, you know, I, I love I, I love being philosophical, but I also love knowing that, you know, we, I'm not, I'm not changing anybody's life. I'm not, like, curing cancer. Mm -hmm. But if what I'm doing, if what I'm doing with the fire knife, if what I'm doing teaching and, 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 Chilling with people. Uh, also, I would like to shameless plug this in, but I, I have a a YouTube channel called Magical Games with my best friend Robert Mokiao, mm -hmm. and he's a Fire Knife hyena too. And what we do is that we go around the parks, Disney parks. We do fun facts, but we also give people toys. But we don't just give people toys just to give it to them. We do fitness challenges. So we go to a random family and go to the little ones and say, hey. You know, if you do these push-ups and these jumping jacks, we'll give you this free toy. Like, there's nothing. You know, like, we, we just want to give and give and give. Nice. And that's, that was the true essence of Magical Games because we love this company so much. We love Disney. We, it brings us magic. Why don't we just bring it back to the, you know, to the audience that is, that spent thousands and thousands of dollars just to get there. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we get to do it, come in there for free, you know? It's our way to give back. Yeah. And yeah, and you don't have to worry about in, using the word shameless because I was going to ask you if there's anything uh, else you'd like to promote, like maybe your school or m maybe where people mm -hmm. can find you on social media. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can find us on Magical Games, uh, Magical Games on YouTube mm -hmm. and on Instagram. You can find my Fire Knife School, my Fire Knife Dancing School, uh, Toa, T O A underscore Nomads, N O. M-A-D-S, Nomads. And you can follow me on Reptitumolu on Instagram where you can see where I do uh, tutorials, uh, video tutorials of uh, Polynesian drumming, Polynesian dancing, and, and following our, our Fire Knife journey. And my brother, uh, if you guys want to follow my brother, he's a three-time world champion as well. He has like, I saw last night, he has like almost 300,000 followers on TikTok. Wow. Follow him on TikTok. And he, and he does tutorials on Fire Knife dancing and he also does inspirational speaking as well, uh, you know, trying to, you know, make people live their passion and live what they love to do, man. And uh, before this ends, I just want to say thank you, brother, for having me on. And, oh, you know, no. it's crazy because I never, I never got to share this story other than with people in the traditions team, you know. And I just really want to, I'll just get my story out there, but just for anybody that's listening to during these trial times, you know, to, to you know, build build something and, and make sure you have the right team behind you. And I'm very thankful for you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much um, for coming on here and uh, sharing your story with us on Theme Park Legends. Uh, thank you guys so much, man. Aloha and mahalo nui loa to all of you out there. And thank you so much again for having me. Thanks to Rex for sharing his story with us. If we can learn anything from Rex, it's no matter what your passion is, no matter how obscure, if you put your all behind it, there's no telling where it will take you. And you may even get paid for it. And for all the theme park workers out of work during this time, stay strong. 
And if you got sent home with no pay, now might be a good time to talk to your fellow workers so when the parks open back up, changes can be made. You can't have a theme park without workers. Just something to think about. And that's going to do it for this episode of Theme Park Legends. And if you'd like to share your story and become a legend yourself, simply reach out by email or social media. Links in the description. And join me next time as I continue to unearth even more Theme Park Legends. Thanks for listening to the Theme Park Legends podcast. Make sure you retrieve all belongings while exiting the car. Should you forget anything or have any questions or comments, make sure you reach out to us on social media. And remember, have a legendary day. Ah.